This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Interviews. Hello and welcome to News Laundry Interviews. Today I have with me Vivek Kaul. Hi Vivek. Hi Abhinandan. And Vivek has just released his film called Bad Money inside the NPA mess and how it threatens the Indian banking system. At one place, um, you spoke about like the face of the NPS, the guys who took loans and you know fled yeah. India are the Vijay Malyan and Nirav Murthy's, right? Now, you have at one point listed all the people who were mentioned in parliament that yeah. these are the biggest defaulters, yeah. but uh, this uh, Nirav Modi, Choksi and Malya are the poster boys. Yeah. Where are we on all the rest? Oh, I mean, actually, you know, to be very honest, I have no clue. Uh, but because the media has also just, I mean... Yeah, everyone's sort of lost, uh, you know, interest and... Uh, and, you know, uh, when I was sort of sending across the final draft of the book, I just thought, let me just check and, uh, you know, see if I can get something more and, uh, you know, if I could add that to the book. Hmm. Uh, but honestly, there was nothing there. For keeping the regular person in mind, because you have really explained certain things, I think over explained them, keeping in mind that even from a non-economics background should completely understand this. Uh, this is a problem my father has always had with my writing. In school, uh, I was uh, the subject that I was most interested in, or rather the subjects I was I was most interested in. One was mathematics, and the other was civics. Now that was precisely because the the civics teacher and the mathematics teacher knew what they were teaching, right? Whereas when when the guy who taught us English literature and unfortunately I had to study Julius Caesar in ninth and tenth was so bad that, you know, we could make out that he is reading out of a guidebook in the class, right? So, so that is, you know, that is something that has always stayed in my memory, wherein when the material that is there, you know, the material that you read is, or the material that gets taught to you is how you learn. And that, that sort of stayed in my uh, memory. So this is just an impact of uh, that. So, so what happens is a lot of times, when I am writing, that writing in itself is, you know, it's a process for making myself understand. So that is where it starts. Before I come back into specifics, let's take the big picture. Where are we right now in the NPMS? Okay. And how likely is it that it will uh, kind of lead to a alarming collapse of any bank? So what has happened is that... Uh, uh, so in, in 2015, essentially, the cleaning up started when uh, Dr. Raghuram Rajan uh, ordered what is uh, called the asset quality review. And that essentially uh, forced public sector banks to declare bad loans as bad loans. That is where the process started. Uh, up, up until then, you know, they were using you know, various things to sort of ensure that they did not have to declare bad loans as bad loans. Then uh, in, in early to late 2016, uh, uh, the insolvency and the bankruptcy code uh, came into place. Now the problem is now we have COVID. Okay. So the entire, you know, the gain of the last uh, three, four years will be nullified uh, because of the defaults, which happen because happened because of, yeah, because of, yeah, right. Mm. So that is not, that is very tricky territory. In fact, uh, uh, Raghuram Rajan uh, said yesterday in, in one of the webinars that, uh, India will see uh, NPAs beyond anyone's imagination now. And I did, uh, you know, some basic number crunching today. And uh, so, so what uh, the banks are telling us is that by August, around 50% of the loans they have given will be under moratorium. 
Now, if one fifth of that 50 percent, uh, you know, uh, if if one fifth of those loans which are under a moratorium go bad, okay, so that is that will add another 10 lakh crore to the 9.4 lakh crore we already have. So you will oh. have the same problem all over again. Now, you know, we have hit alarmingly high rates of uh, NPAs or defaulting, whatever is the technical term for it. And we have come down. In fact, um, uh, you have quoted that, yeah, this is in chapter 10. Right. As mentioned earlier, the bad loan rate of public sector banks in 1994 was close to 25%. By the turn of the century, 1999-2000, it was still at 14%. In 2004-05, the bad loan rate came down to 5.4% and only in 2005-06, it fell below 5%. It was 3.7%. Right. Of course, it started climbing. Uh, I was just curious. How did it come down? Did were recoveries made? Were assets taken over, or were they written off? And and then new deposits came and capitalized the banks again. I don't think many recoveries happened because back then the you know the, the laws uh, were not very strong. And uh, uh, what what happened was that you know post 2000 2001 uh, the Indian banking system started growing again. So once it started growing, the bad loans as a proportion of the total loans. Uh, automatically uh, came down so 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 which is why okay now the the the, the negative impact of this was you know the politicians uh, because they'll you know have a lot of pressure from the corporates and uh, will want to kick the can down the road this time around as well uh, on the you know with the logic that uh, maybe one year later they'll be able to pay and all that but the point is if they're not able to pay right now there is no way they're going to be able to pay one year later also now i know you don't like really talking politics um, and you like to stick to economics but I because hope... I don't understand I mean I don't want to make a you know fool of myself no but I couldn't help but notice you haven't really committed to it but no. maybe it's my imagination because I always think no. politically uh, where you have uh, given the anecdote of Prime Minister Singh uh, Manmohan Singh going in for his surgery after <laughs> two yeah. Stimulus were given, and there was no plan for a third stimulus. And Pranam Mukherjee took over as finance minister. Hmm. Um, I'll just quote from your book. And when the government had announced the second stimulus on 3rd January 2009, it had made clear that there wouldn't be any more stimulus packages during 2008-2009. Right. Nevertheless, Mukherjee announced a third fiscal package on 25th Feb 20, 2009. Service tax rate was cut, and you've gone into it. But you have kind of suggested that yeah. Manmohan Singh didn't want this, and he went in for surgery. Right. And and you have that's not what you've said, but that's the, the chain of events. Do you yes. believe that the finance minister Pranam Mukherjee went ahead and did something that Manmohan Singh didn't want when Manmohan Singh was having surgery? I mean, see, I, I mean, I don't have proof for it, but uh, that is the feeling I got after you know reading the the literature available, reading what Pranam Mukherjee himself has written in his books. And looking at what how the entire thing played out, I sincerely feel that the years that uh, Pranab Mukherjee uh, was the finance minister, uh, India lost quite a lot. And in fact, we are still paying for uh, the mistakes he made. There is a lot of uh, background to it. I mean, I am not a political journalist, but uh, I mean, this is something that uh, I think looking at uh, what has been said in the public domain and looking at numbers and looking at what Mukherjee did at that point of time, I think this needs to be explored more. You think currently the RBI's autonomy is severely compromised with this new kind of hierarchy? If you explain what it is 
uh, this whatever monetary committee or what, what, do you, what do you call it? Essentially, what used to happen was that the uh, interest rates, the repo rate, the re so the RBI has a rate called the repo rate at which it lends to banks. So it tries to manage the overall interest rate scenario by, you know, varying that repo rate. So if it essentially wants banks to increase interest rates, it increases the repo rate. If it wants them to sort of keep maintaining uh, their interest rates, it keeps it constant. And if it wants them to cut repo, uh, their interest rate, it cuts the repo rate. So earlier, what used to happen was that the, uh, the, the decision to increase or decrease or, or, or to keep the repo rate constant was the RBI governors alone. And which, uh, what, uh, the, you know, all across the world, you know, if you look at the best central banks, it is a committee which decides, uh, you know, the, the way the monetary policy is headed and not just the RBI governor or not just the central bank governor. So, you know, in, in line with that, this is a reform that had been recommended and it was introduced when uh, Dr. Raghuram Rajan was the RBI governor. And then we continue with that. So, I mean, I don't think there's a problem uh, there. But then, you know, from what one sees and, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, you learn when you study a little bit of monetary economics is that uh, the central bank governor should never get into the bed with the Ministry of Finance. Okay, you know these are two distinct uh, things, and which is why if if you if you look at the past central bank governors, even though many of them were finance secretaries, I mean everyone from Bimal Jalan to Y V Reddy to Duvari uh, Subaro, uh, they had their you know when they worked at at at, at the RBI, uh, they did not behave like finance secretaries. The current gentleman is still not out of, I mean, he's still, you know, partly he op continues to operate as a finance secretary and, and then, you know, suddenly he has to put on his RBI governor's hat. And You've gone at length about the, you know, public sector banks, how their lending practices were deeply flawed. There was, you know, corrupt practices when it comes to lending, who gets the money, who gets, you know, rollover. Even back from my reporting days, one used to hear about all these sugar mills because they used to require money every day to pay crushing and how if you knew someone in the government, the bank would keep ruling over your loan next year, next year, next year. In the Indian experience, is the private sector any better considering the Yes Bank example? And there are others, but you can't prove it. So, but, you know, we've oh. heard about some very big banks about how they give money to who. Does that? So, so, so here's the thing, you know, uh, uh, I mean, uh, if you look at uh, some of India's best managed banks okay, right now, they are private banks. I mean, HDFC and Kotak. Okay. Now, this is not to say that the private guys are all clean and, and the public sector bank guys are crooks. Not at all. In fact, uh, if uh, a couple of banks, you know, one bank was Vijaya Bank, the other was Indian Bank. Now, these banks have been merged into other bigger banks. But they, uh, uh, you know, their NPA rates are not really very high. So it's not to say that, uh, you know, public sector banks are all crooks. Even SBI, for that matter, before all the... Uh, the associate banks and the Bhati Mahila Bank got merged into it. Uh, they had also managed to clean up their balance sheet very, very fast. But once these associate banks came in, then the problem sort of escalated all over again. When a private bank sort of gets into a mess, uh, the, 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 the market can really hammer it. You know, if you look at the kind of uh, the stock price that Yes Bank was and then the stock price that it ultimately fell to, so it essentially ensured that all the money that Rana Kapoor had built in his head was evaporated. So the market knows, right? Now in the case, so if, if you, uh, the same thing plays out uh, with a public sector bank as well. Uh, the, if you look at the situation right now, 
the value, the market cap of HDFC Bank, just HDFC Bank is more than all the public sector banks put together. Hmm. The market cap of Kotak Bank, which is a very, very small bank in comparison to SBI is more than SBI. So the, the problem is that a private entrepreneur gets impacted by the market cap. Now, in, in some public sector bank, because no one really owns it, no one really cares. How do you how do you make economics interesting for a student by using current examples yet not pissing anybody off so that it is prescribed? Textbook has to be uh, interestingly written, but you know what what happens is that textbooks get written in such a boring uh, way that they ultimately uh, you know other than impacting uh, you know it it essentially leads to a situation where uh, one people are not interested and two they don't learn. And that ultimately has an impact everywhere. And this is not just true about, uh, you know, books on economics. It's true on, you know, anything and everything. I mean, the books on history that I read in my school were so terrible. But when I read history now, I mean, I have read, you know, all the great uh, history books ever written on the history of economics. And they are so interestingly written that, you know, one doesn't, you know, one then sort of thinks and goes back to the time when one used to one used to read these history books and wonders that why didn't I like those books and I love these books. So if I had these kind of books in my 10th standard, I would have never studied maths and, you know, done an MBA. I would have probably studied history. But then the history that we studied was so boring that. Yeah. But see, what, what happens is, I think I'll tell you what the problem there is. The problem there is that... Free me bas itna hi milega. To watch the full unedited interview, subscribe to News Laundry and pay to keep news free because we depend on your subscriptions to survive and not advertisements, which is why you see our videos and our site are ad-free. So pay to keep news free, subscribe to News Laundry, watch this full unedited interview and all our full unedited interviews, podcasts, and all paywall content. Trust me, it's worth it. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.